This podcast is part of the Michigan Sports and Entertainment Podcast Network. Go to michigansportsandentertainment.com for more great podcasts. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. How you doing, Mike? Not too bad. How about yourself? Good. We've had a good week here. A lot of changes uh, for the network. We are changing to a new hosting company because I won't name names, but we were a little bit underwhelmed with the service from our previous host company. Also, you may have noticed on your feed by now that there are no Retro Late Fee episodes anymore. That's because our original plan was to do our show, have a few episodes of Retro Late Fee come out, and then make Retro Late Fee a Patreon-only thing, but we've decided that we don't want to make you pay for it, really. So we have separated Retro Late Fee into its own feed. Uh, The social media stuff is going to stay the same because it's 1994 when we're recording uh, retro late fee. So we can't say any social media things. We can't tell you to go to Twitter or Facebook or YouTube because none of those things exist when we're talking on retro late fee. So the social media stuff will stay the same. If you go to at massive late fee on Twitter, or if you go to our Facebook page or anywhere else that we're at Instagram uh, MySpace, all that stuff, you will be able to find information on where to find Retro Late Fee now. But if you type in Retro Late Fee into whatever podcast app that you are, you'll see us with a new logo and everything. So we're excited about that. And I think it'll just make things easier for everybody going forward. If you want Retro Late Fee stuff, you can always go there. If you don't like the retro stuff, then it's not here anymore. But the news today... Some, some, there's a lot of different interesting news that's come out. Georgia uh, Engel died today. Some of you probably don't remember that name, but if you're old enough or you watched enough Nick at Night when you were a kid, you would remember Georgette from the Mary Tyler Moore show. She was Georgette Ted Knight's wife on that show, uh, 70 years old, so that is... Uh, you know, that's a, a sad loss I enjoyed. Mike, did you ever watch Mary Tyler Moore? I have a feeling no. I never did, though. Yeah. She was very... She played the ditzy blonde, basically, on the Mary Tyler Moore show, and she was very good, very very funny actress, and that is certainly a loss. There is some um, Disney news today. Star Wars... Um. Yeah, Star Wars Celebration happened over the last couple days and I watched some of the episode nine live stream on Twitter because I hate myself. (laughs) uh, I was rewarded at the end with a trailer and a title for episode nine. So episode nine is going to be called the rise of Skywalker. The trailer basically shows Ray from the Force Away. Mike, Mike doesn't understand any of these words I'm saying right now either. But uh, it shows Ray being attacked by some kind of weird TIE fighter, and she does this running flip and flips over it. 
So it heavily shows her. There's a lot of things from the past. We see the Death Star sort of submerged in some kind of giant body of water. And the implication, I believe, is that Ray is a Skywalker. Maybe they're talking about Kylo Ren since he's half Skywalker. I don't know. Maybe they're just talking about Mark Hamill being raised from the dead. Well, not Mark, Mark Hamill's not dead. Luke Skywalker being raised from the dead. That'd be a much bigger story if Mark Hamill was raised from the dead. <laughs> That's true. Although the end, Mike, I'm sure you haven't seen any of this. The end, uh, it features narration. No, I have not. It features narration th- from Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker throughout. And then, and then at the end, he says, because no one's really gone. And then you hear this laugh that sounds like the Emperor's laugh. And at Star Wars Celebration, when the lights came up, Ian McDermott was there. And he said in that, that Emperor's voice, roll it again. And they they played the trailer a second time. I guess that's tradition uh, when they debut trailers like that to play them twice so that it can sink in for people. I have no idea. But... I imagine the people who uh, like Star Wars probably need to watch a lot of things twice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think they, scary. I think they had to wash their pants after watching that trailer. But anyway, reminds me of a uh, a friend from our youth. That's true. <laughs> oh, not the one that we almost murdered with pennies, though. Uh, in, no, a, in no. a movie, if you no, don't, if you don't get that call back, listen to all of our content. Just go back. I I don't remember what yeah. episode it's on. Just go back and listen to everything. I think we mentioned it a couple times. Um, I don't understand what's what is Star Wars celebration? Is it like a convention or something? It's like Comic Con, but it's all Star Wars. So yeah. So it's like Comic Con then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, so I don't know. I at mean, least, at least you know the parking situation is pretty good there because a lot of people are getting dropped off. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of people getting dropped off by mom uh, to the Star Wars celebration. The parking lot looks like a ghost town. Um, but the uh, I don't know. I guess I guess the trailer got me kind of excited about it. I wasn't really necessarily looking forward to this movie. I'm sort of more looking forward to this movie now. Although I will say, it sounds like they're bringing the Emperor back. I don't know how. I don't think anyone could die as completely as he did. He was lifted up by Darth Vader with lightning shooting all over all around him, thrown into a reactor where he burned up, and then the the thing that the reactor was powering also exploded. So I don't know exactly how you come back from that, but I guess He's fine. I guess no one's ever really gone. So it sort of takes away any stakes from the movies in any way, then. Yeah, they kind of do that with all those movies, though, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do. Listen, I thought I heard that Darth Maul was back in, like, the, I don't know, the Solo. Han Solo movie. Yeah. Yeah, he's back. He Apparently, he had been back in the cartoons, and now he's back in live action in the Han Solo movies. Crazy and dumb. Okay. And whatever. I mean, he was a cool character, I guess. I mean, yeah, a little bit. I, I like the, the, you know, it seems a little different. Like, he's got, like, a double lightsaber. So, you know, that's completely different from all the other guys. Yeah, he's got a cool look. He had, like, three lines in the movie, which sucks. But 
I wish they had developed the character more. Yeah, I think the guy's uh, movie career entirely is like three lines. He was he played Toad in the uh, the X Men movie, who which wasn't really a speaking part either. Yep. I thought he played someone else too. That was kind of like I mean, he's a stuntman. Stuntman uh, Ray Park, I think his yeah, name Ray is. Yeah, Ray Park. Yep. No relation to Ray Parker Jr. From what I understand. <laughs> No. Yeah, I know he's a, like it's like that Andy Circus guy who almost always seems to do like um, you know CGI characters. He was obviously uh, Gollum in the uh, Lord of the Ring movies. Yep, and he was Caesar in the uh, Planet of the Eight movies. Yeah, he he was he's he's very good. I like Andy Circus. Yeah, he's, he's, he's really good. You know, oh, he was also in. I think he was in what's the name of that movie with the uh, the Prestige. I think he's in that too. Yeah, he is. You're right. Yeah, another another thing I noticed that's kind of weird is uh, if you ever pay attention, uh, Vigo Morton or not Vigo Mortensen, Hugo Weaving. He's almost I don't even know if he like ever shows up to set anymore. He's just always in a mask or a costume. Yeah, it's like fu- in V, v- yeah, for Vendetta, they never show his face the entire movie. I don't even know if he's there. He might just be doing a voiceover for all. I- it's funny because in the latest Avengers movie, that Avengers Endgame movie, they bring back Red Skull, which is a character that he played in the Captain, the first Captain America movie. And he, like he said, he didn't really want to come back. And then he was like, well, maybe I will come back. So they brought back the character, but they did not bring back him. And they had an, an impressionist, well, he's a real actor, but he's I, his name is Richard Marquand. He was on The Walking Dead, but he's he does he's very good at doing celebrity voices as well. And they just had him do his voice, <laughs> and he yeah, sounds I, identical. I know from the comics, Red Skull is a pretty um, you know pretty big part of the Captain America mythology. Yeah, he was a pretty underwritten character in the actual movie. I'm sure that the the comic book does a lot more justice to him. The other Disney news, well, there's two other pieces of Disney news. Uh, the other happy piece of Disney news, then we've got a sad piece of Disney news, is that Disney Plus has announced uh, some of their slate. They're they're being very aggressive with this. I think they want to destroy Netflix. I think that's their goal. They They will have every episode of The Simpsons available on there. They will have... Pretty, so for, three good seasons total. Yeah, exactly. But from pretty much what I was seeing, just about every Disney movie that's ever been made, all the oh, well, you know, yeah, good. I just realized that that Fox, since they bought Fox, uh, yeah, they have all that. Fox has a lot of content too, like Futurama is a Fox show, and mm-hmm. that's not on Netflix anymore. So my guess is uh, it's going to show up there. I, I might. That, that's almost worth it just for that. Yeah. Yeah, I believe Futurama is going to be on there. Family Guy will probably at least eventually move over there because they own that now. They it's uh, kind of weird because Disney. You would think they wouldn't play like something like that, but I mean, if it's exclusive content, I'm sure they'll do it just to fuck with Netflix. Yeah, exactly. But also, they they might port over some of the old Fox properties too, like Aliens and things like that. I think they're working on some sort of integration where they can have it in almost like an adults only section or or so that you can you can separate the things that your kids can see on Disney Plus from what you'll be able to see. Well, yeah, they do that on Netflix already. I mean, you can just set up passwords. Yeah, so I think that's what they're going to try to do. Uh, I've also heard that they will release more like if they make more alien films, they will release that. They'll release it under 
a different it won't be under the Disney banner quote unquote it will be some some play on the Fox name for uh that for just this. shows you how how little respect they have for their customers they just think they, they like everyone doesn't know that it's just a Disney company with a different name yeah, I mean exactly like oh well I know it's I know I was, I read the paper that Disney created a production house just for these movies but uh it's not Disney I mean what <laughs> And then the sad bit of Disney news is that Disney's uh, live action The Hunchback of Notre Dame took a hit today as the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris is burning to the ground. They're wiping their tears away with stacks of $100 bills. Yeah, so they won't be able to to do a live action Hunchback of Notre Dame like I'm sure they wanted to. There's always a silver lining to every cloud. Exactly. Poor, I mean, it's not movie news. And obviously, I I have no idea if they're going to do a a live-action Hunchback of Notre Dame. Nor do I think that the the city of Paris and whoever owns the the cathedral would give them permission to film there. But... uh, What what a sight. Uh, Horrible. One of the oldest buildings on Earth. And... Just, it's too bad. The, apparently, they were able to save a lot of the, the, uh, the what statues and things Relics. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that uh, that's at least something. But man, uh, what a tragedy. Yeah. At this time, I don't think they still. I said it was during renovations, but they haven't exactly said uh, what happened. Supposedly, there's been a lot of like arsons of churches in France recently. I I don't know much about that. This is what I read. I don't know how true it is or isn't, but uh, that'd be kind of insane if that was an arson type thing. Yeah, I saw something about that as well. Actually, it showed a map with all these different churches that had burned to the ground in France uh, in the last couple of years. Like you uh, had said, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's accurate or not. I haven't really had time to research it, but I did see it. If it's fake news, I mean, I, th- well, this is not a new show as far as what well, we do to do in the news, but this is not a serious this is the news, news segment. Show. Yeah, but <laughs> this is not a serious news show for serious world news. So don't take our word for it. Re- research that that kind of stuff. There are reports, though, that uh, when the flames first started appearing, someone said, oh, my God, is that Jussie Smollett from Empire on Fox? <laughs> That's true. They did. They did make sure to be on point with the branding too. Oh, uh, you mean here in France? It's actually Channel Twenty Three. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, that might be fake too. I don't know. So, so the other piece of news, and this is a little more kind of what you're watching. This is sort of extended news. Game of Thrones came back. Mike, how excited were you? for the first episode of the last season of Game of Thrones. I was pretty excited. I've, you know, watched the show. Uh, I, I started, like, halfway through the first season. My friend Matt got me into it. And, like, that's, like, a show where, like, basically my pitch to people is watch the first episode. If you don't want to watch it anymore, you're good. But every person I've had watch it has wanted to continue watching it. It's, uh, I mean, it's a really good show. It's definitely, uh, there's parts that aren't as good, like a couple seasons even. You would say they're kind of, like, on a downer season. But, I mean... It's consistently good. I mean, Peter Dinklage is great. He's, I mean, it's it's ridiculous how well suited he is for the the character. I mean, he's he's even better than the character in the books, which is pretty shocking because that's a really good one of the best characters in the books. 
Um, it was basically like an episode setting up a lot of other stuff. Uh, did you watch it? I wasn't sure if you were caught up yet or what. Yeah, I, I watched it. I've I've seen I've seen most of season six and all of season seven. I, I kind of started sort of in the middle, and I'm probably um, I'm like I think I'm like two episodes away from being done with season one. <laughs> So I kind of okay. wanted to, I, I knew I wouldn't be able to get through it all, but I kind of wanted to catch up on what's been going on the last couple of years so that I had an idea of what was going on during season eight. And then my plan is basically to watch like three or four episodes in between each week uh, so that I'm sure. pretty close to caught up by the time it wraps up. Yeah, this uh, this episode there are a lot of callbacks to earlier episodes, um, and then like it's it, it basically to me looks like they're just going to take everything remaining and just throw it at you as fast as possible. There's going to be very little build up. I mean, it, it's just going to be like you know, shocking scene after shocking scene because, um, like since you said you saw the first season and you're aware that just Jimmy coming to uh coming to Winterfell, just everybody there basically hates him. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Daenerys hates him because he killed her her what she thought was her uh, father. Yep, the father. I, that whole. I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure at any time how Daenerys was related to the king. I think she's just like a niece or something. I think so. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she definitely is, or she. Yeah, I think she's one of the sons that weren't Aegon's, you know, child or something like that, or one of his wives. It's it's weird. It's it's not a, uh, it's not a super linear type of you know map in my mind at least of how she's related but um yeah it's i mean so she hates him for that i mean it's just you know and she hates all lannisters it's just like so much it's just gonna be like i really want to see what's gonna happen you know it's definitely the way it's plotted is pretty you know breakneck pace as much as i like to make fun of that term when people market movies mm-hmm. it's it's it looks like it's gonna just like come at you like a machine gun yeah i i agree uh obviously you know a lot more about the show than i do but you know i am trying to get caught up but it does seem to me that i think they're going to it's only going to be like six episodes i think right i think so it might be seven but i don't think it's that that many but i think each episode except for the first one are going to be longer than the other ones yeah like, and, you know, they're, then the, they're the normal length and i mean each one's going to be you know progressively longer right the season finale is seven hours long um or the series finale but yeah i uh i i agree i think they're they will they'll probably have a a longer running time but with only six episodes i think they they are really going to come at us really quick and a lot of people are going to die obviously yeah there's there's going to be a lot of uh stuff that just don't can't even wrap up at all like uh I think it might have been the second season. You might not have gotten the episode. There was like uh, also this woman who just appears wearing like a red mask, and like they, you know, they never even in the books they kind of forget about the character. Mm-hmm. So my guess is in the books she'll come back because George R. R. Martin's pretty good at callbacks. Um, but like uh, in the in the in the show they probably just forgot her. And then there's like a part where like uh, Cersei has a vision at one point. They never really go back to that. It's just you know like just so many threads just left, uh, you know, untied up. It's just going to be kind of frustrating in a lot of ways, I think, too. For someone that hasn't seen all of it, I will say that I was incredibly satisfied and excited by this first episode, though. They re- they really came out, you know, they, they really came out of the shoot with it. And I, I am, I'm excited to see the rest of 
this season, and I'm excited to catch up on a lot of stuff too. It, it spurred me to watching this spurred me to to catch up even faster. Even this episode, like it doesn't seem like it because it just seems so like common. But yeah, a lot of stuff really did you know just go into just happen this episode when it normally would have been teased out over the whole uh, season, like telling Jon Snow his true heritage, you know, that just like, oh, yeah, by the way. I mean, not by the way, but... Right. And that was kind of messed up the part where Daenerys was basically kind of like, oh, yeah, you're a... I, I killed your up, you know, your brother and your dad. But just the way she says it is so, like, bizarre. She's like, has, like, no empathy at all. She's like, oh, yeah, well, they didn't bend the knee, so, you know. <laughs> like, really, watch that again. That's basically is like, she's like, oh, yeah, they were the wrong. It's like, what? Yep. Yeah, th- like, uh, it's... I, 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 I really like it. It's I can't even I can't even really put it into words, but it's you're right. It's a really it's a really exciting show, but there's a lot of it's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of intrigue. There's I mean, it's more than just uh, people that haven't watched it. If you haven't seen Game of Thrones yet, it, it's not just sword and sorcery stuff. I mean, that stuff plays somewhat of a role it's very very low fantasy which i'm exactly hate the fantasy genre like i'm not a fan at all but there's just a tiny a bit of it like there's magic but it's not every single person has magic like there's maybe a couple people and you're like they really have magic and like oh shit that guy's got magic Mm -hmm. like it's you know it's very unevenly distributed uh there are dragons but that even it's not like a commonplace thing at all it's like everyone is is shocked as seeing a dragon as you or i would be seeing a dinosaur walk down the street. Right. And yeah, so so don't be turned off by that. Like Mike said, watch the first episode. The first episode is a real one that, that will hook you in. And there's lots, you know. Yeah, if you don't fall for the show at, you know, the first episode, you will you probably would never like the show. Maybe yeah. From the opening scene to the very last scene, it's just like. Yep, exactly. It has some, like, and I don't, I don't want to say this in a denigrating way. It has some soap opera like, like you know, characteristics, and I don't mean that like it's overwrought or anything like that. I just mean uh, emotional, and there there's a lot of you know emotionality to it, and there's a lot of backstabbing kind of stuff and and things like that. So I think the quality, all the actors are really good. I can't think of mm-hmm. a single one that's not good in the show even like when the children you know the, they're basically all like teenagers now but even the ones who were child actors at the time they were always good so it never really truly comes out as like a soap opera type quality i mean if you had mm-hmm. lesser actors and lesser like, i mean a lot of it's owed to the source material the, i don't know if you've read the a song by some fire books they're, they're really good and no i haven't read them depth, yet as you can imagine in the series yeah i uh i am excited to read it you know they, and it's it's I know it's not the books concluding, and if George R. R. Martin ever actually concludes the story in the books, I'm sure that a lot of people will be happy. But yeah. some people have been waiting what twenty years for this for I this conclusion. The first, the first book I think came out in ninety one or ninety three, so it's been like twenty five years or so. Yeah, so you know, for those who have been holding on that long, I'm yeah, sure I mean- this is welcome. I want him to write as quickly as anyone does, but I mean, if that's his process to come out with, like the, because I mean, all the books are super high quality. I mean, mm-hmm. they're they're really they're really good. Like again, I'm not a fan of fantasy, but I mean, it's just a touch of it, really, and it's just the intrigue and like he, he's you know a student of history and like politics and all those elements. Some of them are really based on actual events from uh, the War of the Roses, England. Yep. And like some stuff which I can't say because it'll spoil things for you, like that happened that are so shocking. 
King in the show are just ripped out of history. You know, that's awesome. The headlines of something. Yeah, it's it's, it's I, I really like it. He really good uh, storyteller and like the way he builds the world. I'm definitely looking forward to two more episodes of it. I will definitely say that. But uh, we will recap more Game of Thrones next week. Uh, work. I think what we'll do is I. I don't know if it'll be main topic. I mean, it doesn't really matter. There's no necessarily, you know, one main topic every episode uh, going forward. But we will definitely recap each episode as it comes out each week. So if you are interested in Game of Thrones, look forward to that. And if you haven't watched it, try to get caught up. At least try to, like I did, at least try to watch the last couple seasons or so. So you kind of get a feel of, you know, where things are. And a little bit of the first season, I think, for background is is pretty helpful. Um, but we will move on to our next uh, topic, which is culture vultures. Mike, <clears throat> what are you going to... This is... Uh, I guess I should introduce these topics for people. Uh, culture vultures is where Mike or I, but usually Mike, rants about something in pop culture that he hates. So what are we talking about this week, Mike? Uh, this week, it actually is, uh, I had to change my story because a fresh one uh, just came to me uh, from the uh, news desk about mm-hmm. an hour before the show. Okay. Uh, do you know there's like a huge leak of what's happening in the uh, next Avengers movie? Oh, no, there is? Yeah, I guess there were some video clips assembled and like, you know, you could, you could if you look, you could find the video clips or like you could find like a description of them. And I've never seen any of these movies. I started to watch the, uh, was it Infinity Wars maybe? Yep, that's. The I think one. that's what it's called, and it, it's not good. Um, but I start, and the, since I know so little, even I recognize these are like huge spoilers. Like it, it's hilarious. But the thing, part of it that I really uh, dislike is that the studio is urging people to like you know, oh you know, don't don't tell everybody about the spoilers. I mean, they clearly didn't care about people knowing about the spoilers because they didn't protect the movie better than they did. Yeah, exactly. I mean, stand-up comedians, uh, Dave Chappelle of you know, is really notorious for this, have a thing where when you go to a, a comedy show, you know, you put your phone, you, they pay a, a service to put your phone in a bag where mm-hmm. you can't use your phone, so you yep. have to leave. Why can't movie studios do the same thing? They certainly have more money than, you know, even like, you know, a wealthy comedian like Dave Chappelle or something like that. I they really care about their more. content. Why Why they, they could do so much better. Yep, they and they should too. And, and it surprises me because... Marvel is usually pretty good at at keeping their secrets unless it's um unless it's Tom Holland <laughs> accidentally like going on a talk show and uh and spoiling something on accident cuz he's sort of notorious for doing yeah, that. Yeah, I I'm not I I I think that's the guy who plays Spider-Man. I, yes. I'm not really super familiar, but I did see that in the article I read it did say that, you know, they wouldn't they didn't send him a script or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's just like, it's like, I mean, you can't claim to care when you clearly don't care. Like, you know, you can't say, oh, I care about, you know, people not, you know, being surprised by this. Because like, there was a letter written by uh, Russo. Is that what it is? The Russo brothers? Yeah, the Russo brothers. Yeah, and they were like, oh, we've worked on this for three years. Like, we'll I'll work for a month on your security operations. I mean, and I it, don't think, do they not think people are trying to get clips of this? Right. Or trying to steal the movie? I mean, who who wouldn't, I mean, I don't. I will, I'm not going to watch the movie, but I would love to steal the movie and, you know, sell it or give it to someone else or just spoil it because it would be funny to me. Yeah. And I will tell you what, they should have learned their lesson because when Thor Ragnarok came out, 
uh, Mark Ruffalo was in his seat watching the film. This was, I think, some sort of advanced screening that they were doing. And he accidentally leaked, I think, maybe the first 10 or 15 minutes of audio to... It was either Instagram or Twitter. It was one of those because he had his phone on in his pocket and it hit a button and he didn't know he was doing it. But the first like 10 minutes of audio got leaked onto his social media before someone came up and said, hey, you know, your your phone's on. <laughs> like someone had it, word had traveled that quickly and he was Jeez. able to turn it off. But that's just a mistake from one of your stars but it involves, you know, a cell phone recording, things like that. So they should have learned their lesson from that and cracked down on security a lot more, even with, you know, the stars of the film. Put your, your phones, you know, in uh, in the locker and you can get them after the movie's over. If you're paying someone like $20 million, you can make demands upon them to receive that money. Exactly. So... I mean, but yeah, it's just ridiculous that, you know, I mean, even Sony, you know, a few years ago had like a big... Uh, scandal when they think um you know north korea hacked their uh their again why they have all this stuff available i mean yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense to me either yeah it's like oh you have i mean not that anyone cares about the movie the interview but i think that was just leaked you know like oh you're not gonna make any money off the interview which i mean whatever it doesn't appeal to me but it's just you have an entire movie in a place where some person not connected to your company can access it you don't yeah. have a, you know, you don't have better security. I mean, again, you're a billion, you know, multi-billion dollar company. You should be able to spend, even if it's one percent of your budget, it might be worth it, you know, to stop things like this. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Oh. So I have, again, I have no sympathy for, uh, you know, the people who were, oh, you know, we were leaked. Well, no, you you didn't plug up the leaks, so water went through. Exactly. That is the difference. You know, if someone had, if it had been some sort of coordinated attack, then maybe I'd have some sympathy for them. But it's just, it's just laziness. Pretty much. So we will move on to Keeping Current with Mike. Devotees of the show will know that this is the segment where Mike picks a a gossip column or a blog or some sort of publication like that. And we go through the stories and see if we know what the hell they're talking about. Where are we going today, Mike? Um, I don't know that this is still a popular website, but there's a website called Perez Hilton. Have you heard of such a website? I've I've heard of Perez Hilton. Yes, I, I, I heard of it like a long time ago. Um, it's it's uh, still a website. Um, I I don't know if it's owned by someone else because it has quizzes now. Oh, interesting. And why? Why that would have quizzes? I don't. I, let's see. Uh, the first, uh, it's it's really like a little story at the top. Mm-hmm. So it says okay. fans think Meghan Markle is secretly running this Instagram account. Oh, interesting. Like, I don't know this is uh, like I don't know. She's like a princess or something, or she married some prince. Oh or... yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know who it was until you said that. But yeah, she well, married. Picture, so that's helpful. And she's she... making that stupid face she always makes. <laughs> She married one of them. She married the one that's not going to be king. So, Harry? Is it Harry and either, William? Either that or Charles. <laughs> Char- yeah, Charles is the dad. I remember him. Everyone hates him. But yeah, I think she married Harry. I thought Harry. we were talking about people who wouldn't be king. And she was an, a- she was an actress, too, before that, I believe. 
before she married him. Um, yeah, I think she was on a show called Suits. Okay. I've never seen it. I don't know what it's about. No, but, you know, I think I did watch a little bit of it, but I thought because it was the wrong show. Someone told me the show Leverage was good, which was a lie. Um, and so I, I got them confused. I'm like, what the hell's going on? There's nothing about thievery in this, but it was like they're a lawyer. The guy's a lawyer or something, and I, it was very bad, so I turned it off right away. What what Instagram account do they think she's running? Uh, I didn't click, so I'm not really sure. <laughs> and it, the picture just showed her making that dumb face, so I don't really know. All right. Well, dumb face Instagram account run by Meghan Markle confirmed. Well, it's just called Dumb Faces, and it's just like a bunch of selfies <laughs> of, her looking excited, of her looking excited about something. <laughs> Like some rube who made it to the big city for the first time in her life. Exactly. She does look like that. Those are some tall buildings. <laughs> oh, she does look like that. Oh. Well, she just, I mean, she's, I don't know if she's just like a smiling face or what. I've I, I've only seen the same picture pretty much. She gives Americans Uh-oh. a bad name. Yep. Rare interview alert. Alert. Okay. We got an alert. Eva Mendez gets super real about Ryan Gosling and motherhood. Eva Mendes is married to sure Ryan Gosling? I don't know. It kind of implies that. Or they're having a child together. And I'm not really sure who Eva Mendes is. Was she on some desperate housewife show or something? I thought she was uh I thought she was an actress like in movies, but maybe Oh, oh I think she was in that Denzel Washington movie, the Deja it's like called Deja Vu or something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. She's like, she's, she's not Jennifer Lopez. That's what she's discount Jennifer Lopez, I believe. Oh, I I would say the reverse is the truth. (laughs) She's much uh, nicer looking than Jennifer Lopez. Well, I don't remember what she looks like, but not as, by discount, I mean not as famous. She was in like Hitch, right? She's the Hispanic girl. She's the Hispanic woman that Will Smith is allowed to date or black men are allowed to date in movies because for some reason, and this is the thing that I've noticed, I don't know why this is, but for some reason, a black man can't be with a white woman in a movie. It can be the other way around. A black woman can be with a white guy in a movie, but I can't think of the last time that a black man was married to or dating a white woman in a film. The closest they can get is Hispanic in movies, apparently. So they're weird. There's like you know how like yeah, like Hollywood's always like you know supposedly really progressive and liberal and stuff, but oh, they yeah. just like they, they're the ones who can't conceive of like a black you know white couple that's not you know their their traditional one of their version. Mm-hmm. And how you know how conservative is that? You just can't even understand. Yeah, exactly. That's for all their quote unquote progress. They uh, watch some movies, people. There, you'll notice some things that are really weird, and and they're not. Hollywood is not as progressive as they'd like to portray it's, themselves to be. It's either that, or much like a Disney who just like thinks nothing of their customers. They just think everybody else is such like a uh, a rube that they uh, you know have no no idea. Every time you hear the word rube today, take a drink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it just has you know. I think that's the first. Few- I've said it in ten years. Rube is the word of the day. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I, either that or they just think like people who watch movies are just like, and they probably have statistics that prove this, or just like these big dumb idiots that you know can you know couldn't conceive of you know an interracial couple, much less the non-traditional Hollywood mix of it. Is it's just really weird. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so apparently in 2011, she began... By the way, I've seen a picture of her now. She is better looking than Jennifer Lopez. In 2011, she began dating Ryan Gosling, uh, whom she met on the set of The Place Beyond the Pines, a movie I've never heard of, in which they both starred. The couple have two daughters, their first born in September 2014 and their second in April 2016. So about two years or three years old. Uh, Mendez is a pescatarian. Uh, it's the practice of adhering to a diet that incorporates seafood while abstaining from the consumption of food made from uh, any other animal. Okay, so it's a it's a vegan but you can have seafood. Yeah, the only meat you eat is seafood. For both ethical and health reasons. She also practices transcendental meditation. Uh, I don't understand the, the morality of that. I guess I understand the morality of not eating other animals, but why... I never, I never get this. Why is seafood the exception? Like uh, the, because fuckfish. Those those animals have, have legs. Those animals have no have no feelings or anything. Fish well, don't. Probably not. Fish don't have a nervous system, so it's okay if well, you kill them. Yet, yet, if you think about it, they the people frown upon eating dolphins and whales. So since they're mammals, we have more of a kinship with them. Yeah, that's and true. they're probably generally more intelligent. I mean. I know people always say that goldfish only have like a 20 second memory, which I think they've proven is not correct. But I mean, people don't generally think of like fish as being like, you know, the super geniuses of the animal kingdom. Right. If they were, they'd stop getting caught. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I mean, octopuses aren't fish, but they're very intelligent. Yeah. uh, But, you know, like lobster, they they boil those things alive. (laughs) Yep. They're so similar to cockroaches that if you have like a, an allergy, they, I think I've mentioned this before. Well, I don't remember where again, watch all our uh, content. Don't be some rube who uh, just, you know, wanders. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but you know, and, 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 uh, Joe Rogan, uh, podcast, he was talking about how during fear factor, they found out that if you have a seafood allergy, you can't eat cockroaches because they're so similar. Oh God, that's so gross. Yeah. I mean, what, most seafood I can't eat because it just looks disgusting to me. Like shrimp, they just look so gross. Yeah, I've never, I, I never understood the person, the first person to discover that you could eat a lobster had to be really, really hungry. It just looks like a sea spider. Yeah, and then how would you know to boil it too? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you eat it raw. Ugh, god. No, you can't. You can't eat it because uh, it's like poisonous. And if they're not, if they're not killed in a certain way, it's also poisonous. Yeah, yeah, they're just gross to me. I don't even care for the taste of them myself. Uh, what else have we, What else has Perez Hilton got for us? Oh, wow. I mean, but if anyone wants to see uh, Eva Mendez get super real, you know where to go. Yeah, exactly. About motherhood and being with Ryan Gosling. Okay, this article... I See, maybe that's like an older... Maybe this is the website for me because I kind of know most of these people. Okay. This one says, is Britney Spears being held against her will? I actually... (laughs) Go ahead, go ahead. I got something about this, though. And the picture of her looks like somebody just pulled out a gun and is about to shoot her in the face. She just looks so terrified. (laughs) And then it says, insider claims Britney's dad had her committed and faked, all capitals, her last social media messages, exclamation point. I, I am ashamed to admit that I have a news app on my phone. And I'm not ashamed to admit that, but I'll look through different stories throughout the day 
I, I read a lot of politics. I like reading about politics and I'll read about other sort of current event type things. I don't really like to watch the news on TV. So I, I when I get when I get the news, it's usually through my phone. But a lot of times they'll have related stories or things from the same publication. And there was something about Britney Spears. I don't I think it was BuzzFeed or something. I think for some reason BuzzFeed comes through my my filter on my my news thing but i saw the uh, buzzfeed news app <clears throat> no no it's not it's it's just a regular news app it's the one that comes with my iphone but i think buzzfeed like the you can filter out what you want to come through so I, I have different publications that come through like i'll have d- don't a- anyone listening out there don't read into what my politics are based on what i have come through because you won't be able to figure it out anyway but I have Fox News come through. I also have the uh, Washington Post come through, and the New York Times, and certain like um, I think like MSNBC comes through too. CNN. There's a couple different ones that come through. Uh, but I think for some reason I forgot to to lock out BuzzFeed because every once in a while, and I it doesn't say it just shows just the story. You know. 13 ways how celebrities are just like us. Right, get it. exactly. But it just shows the picture. It doesn't say exactly where it's from usually. So, And that's kind of how I like to read the news because I don't want to know what slant it is until I start reading it. And then I you know, I, I can always figure it out. But, um, <clears throat> but I like to go in sort of blind. So anyway, um, I think this was from BuzzFeed, but it might have been from something else. I'm sure it wasn't the Washington Post. But it was about Britney Spears and where has she been. And I don't know why, but I just I read the article and it was about how she was doing a show in Las Vegas. I think they call them conservative ships or something like that. That's what they said in the in the in the article. But she was doing a show in Las Vegas called something that I don't remember. remember. And then she was towards the end of her contract for that. And then I guess they rushed out right away and said, oh, she's going to stay here and do a different show. And then they canceled that because the, the the rollout was so weird and everything. And then for months, I guess she's been missing. I didn't know anything about this till about three days ago when this article showed up on my phone. But I guess she's been, quote unquote, missing for months and hasn't been seen in public. Someone had a picture of her getting her hair done a few days ago. They were talking about maybe she was committed. There was some stuff with her dad. It was all very confusing because it's stuff that I don't know anything about as far as Britney Spears' personal life goes. Yeah, I'm not really sure. But it did say, and this was funny, that the last social media post that she made was she said that she's fine or something like that and everything. But they said in the article, but she didn't use emojis and Brittany always uses emojis. And they went through these different, <laughs> these different things about all these different times that she used emojis and they, she didn't use emojis in this thing. So they, they suspected that she didn't actually make this post and that something sinister is going on. So that's ties into this Perez Hilton story. Well, like we can we can only rest assured that the authors of the article's parents are very proud of them. Exactly, and also I really don't care. I mean, I hope Britney Spears isn't yeah, like I mean, murdered you know, or abused or something. I'm, I'm not a fan of that kind of music, you know. Uh, whatever. I mean, I don't care either way. But I mean, obviously, I'd hope that someone turns out better than not better, unless they're a goddamn uh, Swedish person. Exactly. Then fuck them. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, any more from Perez Hilton about? Is there a story about Christina Aguilera? Maybe. <laughs> There's one that's, that's kind of sad. I'm just gonna gl- well, it's, uh, See, I think I'm guessing this is kind of like you know how like when you're watching TV and like you scroll through and you see BT has a movie on and it's always like a you know. A, black star or there's at least one prominent black person in the movie mm-hmm. well there's an episode there's an article saying disturbing transphobic attack dallas man arrested after allegedly beating up trans woman for 200 dollars. so i'm like obviously that's not like a huge gossipy news story but i think just because you know uh press Hilton's gay you know he obviously will include more you know of that sort of thing because you know it's not really represented that much in the mainstream media as it is so i mean the more right. the mayor however I'm a little conflicted here because if he just, what if, is this actually a positive story? If he only beat her up because she owed him money and he didn't care that she was a trans woman? <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's progress, right? I was also kind of thinking, was it just a mugging and she happened to be trans? Like, yes. he, he probably didn't even know. See, if it's incidental to the story, then I think that's actually probably not helpful. Because it's like, make it, you shouldn't make a big deal out of something if it's not a big deal. Exactly. You can't say this isn't a big deal and like, oh, hey, look, this person was spit at. It's like, well, yeah, but I mean, many people are spit at, you know, every day for various reasons. None of them good. Right. But if this trans woman was beaten up and then the attacker called out, that's right, it's me, Jesse Smollett from Empire, beating you up because you're transsexual, (laughs) then then that's a story. I think what they yelled out was, Oh my gosh, that trans person, that reminds me of Jesse Smollett from Empire. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, not yeah, a clock, Sun Fox, whatever time it's on. I'm not, but yeah, if it's incidental, then, you know, I, I'm i not sure it's a story, but if it's not, obviously that's a story. So I think there's a fine line you have to walk there. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Oh, has has Perez Hilton got anything else for us, or, or are we... Uh... Uh, there's a lot of stuff, but none of it's really uh, worth uh, wasting breath on. All right, well, then we will move on to... We have a promo for a brand new show. I believe I mentioned them last week. A brand new show on the network called How I Met Your Friends. It is a How I Met Your Mother Friends podcast every episode. They go through the whole series one episode at a time, so... Like the first episode, they start with the pilot of Friends and they start with the pilot of How I Met Your Mother and they compare and contrast the these uh, very similar-ish shows. And it's really interesting and I love the the chemistry between the hosts. It's, it's a very good show. I've been catching up on it, uh, obviously, since they are on the network and you should definitely check them out. So here, here is How I Met Your Friends. Do you watch Friends? Do you watch How I Met Your Mother? Then you should listen to How I Met Your Friends. Hi, I'm Kathleen. And I'm Julie. And we are the ladies behind How I Met Your Friends, the podcast that explores the similarities and theories of Friends and How I Met Your Mother. Every week, we watch an episode from each show and dive deep into the crossovers and catchphrases. So if you've ever noticed the similarities between these fantastic shows, come check out our podcast. You can reach us on social media at How I Met Your Friends Pod or email Pod at gmail.com. So that was How I Met Your Friends. Definitely check them out, all their social media. Uh, that uh, I know their Twitter, and I think they mentioned this in the promo. I mean, we listened to the promo live, obviously, because it's seamless. But, but uh, I think it's uh, H-I-M-Y-Friends. 
I believe that's what it is at, you know, at that on Twitter. I always forget the at at the beginning of a Twitter handle. I don't know why, but you guys know it. So today we're covering a film that's sort of a, at least I thought when we were planning this episode, because I hadn't watched the the actual movie yet, but it seemed like sort of a military-ish movie. And it kind of is in in a degree. So uh, for educating Mike, I decided to go with a bad war film. And there were more to choose from than I thought. And this one sort of surprised me. And I have not seen this movie. So I'm going to go through it probably pretty quickly. Because I, I, I have more jokes when I've seen the film <laughs> than when I haven't. <clears throat> but this is the 1981 epic Inchon about the Battle of Incheon during the Korean War, a war that my father bravely served in by drinking in Germany during the entirety of the war. His uh, his unit was stationed in reserve in Germany during the war, so he didn't desert or anything. They just never had to do anything. Um, and I'm glad, because I might not have been born, because he might have been killed. But anyway, Incheon is a 1981 epic war film about the Battle of Incheon, which is a turning point in the Korean War. It was directed by Terrence Young and financed by the Unification Church and their founder, Sun uh, Sun Young Moon. So, Lawrence Olivier is in it as Douglas MacArthur. He, he's the star. Uh, Jacqueline Bassett is in it. Uh, ben Garaza. A lot of uh, Richard Roundtree's in it as well. A lot of uh, famous stars from the past and you know, present in 1981. So sort of a surprise, I suppose, that it tanked, but it tanked hard. It was made for $46 million in 1981, which was a real big budget in 1981. It made $5.2 million at the box office. Oh, my Lanta. It's one of the, yeah, I I bet the producers felt like some rubes <laughs> After uh, <laughs> after they got the box office on this, because it's one of the biggest failures of all time. But the film depicts the Battle of Incheon during the Korean War, which took place September 15th through 19th, 1950, and is considered the turning point of the war. The protagonist of the film is General Douglas MacArthur, who led the United States' surprise amphibious landing at Incheon in 1950. A subplot in the film involves an American couple who encounter difficulties in their relationship because of the ongoing war. Inchon begins with North Korean soldiers moving past the 38th parallel north into South Korea in June 1950. People flee into the country's capital, Seoul. One of the displaced people is Barbara Halsworth, a U.S. Army major's wife who lives in a village on the 38th parallel. She is chauffeured to Seoul in a limousine, picking up five South Korean children along the way, and her chauffeur is killed. She, or after her chauffeur is killed, she drives them to a safe location called the Inn of the sixth happiness along the way she shoots a north korean soldier <laughs> so she murders a north korean soldier which is obviously is good i guess um well, right <laughs> meanwhile her husband frank hallsworth is attempting to break off an affair with a young south korean woman lim unfortunate name there uh her father is aware of his daughter's affair with frank and does not disapprove that's an interesting way to phrase that sentence. Not that he approves necessarily, but he doesn't disapprove. I'm neutral on this. 
Frank receives word of the invasion by the North Koreans, and he travels north in an attempt to locate Barbara with, an assi- with the assistance of an army sergeant, August Henderson. August encounters Barbara and fixes her vehicle's battery, and then reunites her with Frank. Journalists David Feldpark and Longfellow are attending a press conference held by MacArthur in Tokyo. MacArthur, however, does not show. Okay. He agrees with his wife, Jean, that he is the only person who can rescue South Korea from the invasion by the North Koreans. So MacArthur, I guess, is a superhero in this film. Hallsworth and his former lover succeed in turning on a lighthouse to signal 261 U.S. ships that the South Korean woman's father as and the South Korean woman's father activates mines in the channel. She dies during the ensuing battle. Oh, okay, so I guess that that wraps up that that plot pretty nicely. He doesn't have to worry about the affair anymore because his mistress is dead. Uh, the U.S. tubes drive out the North Korean forces, and the cheering people wave South Korean and American flags. The film proper ends with MacArthur reciting the Lord's Prayer. After this scene, a newsreel of MacArthur is shown. Um, I know that that MacArthur had some connection religiously, I believe, to the Unification Church, and he had, uh, from his time in Southeast Asia, he had uh, quite the relationship with the Asian people, especially the, the Japanese people, eventually, and uh, the South Korean people. So... I think that's probably part of the the reasoning around this the the Unification Church making this film. Um the US military denounced this film and, and didn't pull their support from it because of the overt religious aspects of it, I guess. Oh, that's weird. You would think they would uh endorse it for that. Yeah, I guess 1981 was a different time, but um yeah, here's some. I couldn't find any the parents' guide on this. I guess maybe it's too old or whatever. But it it has some pretty bad reviews on IMDb. Uh, infamous flop, a badly scripted, badly acted, and badly conceived Korean war epic. War epic. Inchon exists in at least three versions. All of them very rare. Yeah, also, it's very hard to find this movie. Part of the reason why I haven't seen it. It has never been released on home video or streaming anywhere ever. Huh. Yeah, so... Uh, What's and, kind of funny about that is we can only take someone's word that it's a bad movie. Yeah, exactly. You can't prove, I mean, it could be the best thing you've ever seen and just propaganda made you think... Yeah, I mean, maybe it's aged very well. Uh, Lawrence Olivier is a very good actor. You just think you're some kind of rube who doesn't, you know, care to, you know, do your own research or something. Exactly. But these are the three versions. A 90-minute British version uh, called Operation Inchon, a 105-minute version, and the full 140-minute version released theatrically in 1981. This is a review of the 140-minute version. God, that's way too long for a movie. The past 20 years or so... I have turned Inchon into one of the film industry's great jokes. Its huge budget and the meager box office returns it made have also destined it to be forever remembered as the biggest flop of all time. If ever a film deserved to be labeled as infamous, then Inchon is it. Lawrence Olivier Top... Now, this is too... uh, 
This is too straight and dry. But anyway, he doesn't like it. He gave it uh, one out of ten stars. Jeez. That's rough. Uh, A disaster long hidden from view. And the winner for worst actor goes, oh yeah, Lawrence Olivier won a Golden Raspberry Award in 1981. One of the originals. Um, As worst actor in this movie. And this movie also won worst picture. So, yeah. This is a good uh, pun right here. The the title of this of this review: major disappointment. Because <laughs> one of the main characters of the movie is that major. But that is Inshan. Good luck ever finding it. But if you do find it, I, I can't believe it hasn't been released somehow to YouTube. Everything gets to YouTube somehow. It doesn't make much sense. Yeah, I don't to know. Me. Maybe no one cared enough. Uh, but now we will move on to celebrity diss of the week. For those <laughs> for those of you that uh, don't remember this segment, this is where we tweet at somebody uh, who's in a film or a TV show that we are reviewing and try to get them on the TV show. So far, we are two for two in the fact that we have tried twice and failed twice. <laughs> But we have not gotten blocked yet. So I will tell you the first time that a celebrity blocks us. That actually, I, you know, I said that we should count it as a win because we aren't we weren't blocked. I'm starting to think that being blocked would be a win. Now. You know, I think the problem is the celebrities we're uh, trying to uh, get on the show are a little too famous. So if we start like the lower rungs, they're probably not even seeing our posts. So they don't even have the chance to block us. That Stephen true. King probably gets like a thousand tweets, you know, every hour or more, you know, so he's not going to see, you know, year five or like nothing. They might as well have not been tweeted. They're so small for sample size. Yeah, that's true. We will, we'll, we'll try to start smaller or try to continue smaller next week. But uh, here's, here's what I wrote. So this was a few days ago uh, at Ben Affleck. Hey, my dude. See, I figured I'd try to go very casual, almost like we knew each other. See if, <laughs> see if... like you're going to trick him. I don't remember a Mark Phillips, but he addressed me so informally. Hey, my dude, we're talking about your movie, Triple Frontier, in our podcast. We would love for you to come and join us. Turns out Charlie Hunnam and Oscar Isaac don't have Twitter accounts, so it's all up to you. Because I, <laughs> I looked for Oscar Hunnam and, and Oscar Isaac, because I would have gone Oscar Isaac. But uh, yeah, they don't have Twitter accounts. 106 people saw that. No likes, no retweets. Uh, next <laughs> next one, uh, Ben Affleck. The internet tells me that sometimes you get sad and look off wistfully in interviews. You don't have to worry about that with us. This is a phone interview, so no one will see you. <laughs> we got uh, 41 uh, views on that. No likes, no retweets. Just so I don't repeat myself, we didn't get one like or retweet this week. Not even my <laughs> wife wanted to like or retweet any of this. Yes, you kind of gave up on you after the uh, the second to last one. So. Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck, it's me again. You know, one time you were filming a movie here in Michigan, and I guess you were living here for a while. I saw you in downtown Plymouth. This is a true story, too, by the way, I did. But I didn't approach you. I didn't want to bother you. But now I need something from you. So, you, so could you do our podcast? Oh, my God. How many characters are in this tweet? Uh, 27 people saw that. It just keeps going down from that first one. Uh, Here, this time I tried to be topical. Uh, Ben Affleck, did you see Tiger Woods winning the Maskers? 
<laughs> Masters, hell of a moment. I watched your movie Triple Frontier last night. We're talking about it on the podcast. You're still invited. Just DM me, my man. <laughs> 55 people saw that. Ben Affleck. Hey, Carol dude. liked that one? <laughs> yeah, no one liked it. <clears throat> ben Affleck. Hey, dude. So, still waiting to hear about you coming on the podcast. It's Trumple Frontier, man. You got to talk about it. Just a little phone call. Kevin Smith likes us. And I said that because he liked one of our tweets one time. Uh, nice. are, are you guys good no. again or no? If not, we'll renounce him. We don't care. Just come Ooh. on the podcast. Um, did, you also, did you also tag Kevin Smith on in this tweet? No, I should have, but I didn't. Ah, you should have. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they're in a good place. I And we wouldn't have renounced him. I mean, I would have said that to get him on the show, but then every question we asked him would have been about Kevin Smith and why he doesn't like him anymore. Then had him, uh, had him do a surprise ambush. Exactly. Wait, we got another caller coming in. Uh, ben Affleck. Still waiting to hear from you, Ben. Speaking of Ben, do you remember Ben Stein's Money? The game show on Comedy Central? At Jimmy Kimmel was a co-host on that show, and he's got a late-night talk show on ABC Network now. You see what doing smaller shows can do? Be on our podcast. <laughs> 33 people saw that one. Uh, ben Affleck, in case it wasn't clear, we would like you to come on the Massive Late Fee podcast. You know, the world-famous podcast that talks about Netflix films? This could really help your brand, Ben. P.S. Since you haven't responded, I can only assume your manager reads this. So I was trying to appeal to the business side in that one. Uh, at Ben Affleck, listen, Ben, today is the day we record. So this is your last chance to talk about Triple Frontier on the premiere podcast for network movie or Netflix movies. DM us. This is where I got a little more aggressive. It's, it's, probably, it's probably a good thing that he isn't reading these tweets. And then I figured that I would just go um, full indignant for the last one. Uh, ben Affleck, what the hell, man? We are about to record. Do you know who we are? Good luck working in Michigan again, man. I tried to be nice. Some people, uh, SMH, and that is the only time I have ever written SMH in nice. my life. I like uh, that one. And then I said, but please listen to Massive Late Fee Podcast. <laughs> Six people saw that one. So that is uh, Celebrity Diss. No they were police officers. No responses at all from uh, from celebrities or celebrity representatives yet. But we're only two weeks in. I'm sure eventually we will get somebody. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll do someone from Game of Thrones next week. Yeah. Yeah, come on, uh, come on, Ben Affleck. It's like we're going to talk about how your brother's a rapist. Yeah, exactly. Why would we go there? Why would we talk about what a buddy-buddy relationship you had with Harvey Weinstein when he was, uh, you know, uh, assaulting all those people? Uh, we wouldn't have mentioned any of this if you were on the show, Ben. I'm just saying. Your drinking problems, gambling problems. Yeah. We wouldn't bring them up. Exactly. If you had been on the show, those words wouldn't have come out of our lips. And then people wouldn't be reminded again what a horrible addict you are, and 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 what all those dead hookers exactly what terrible movies have have been produced by you, and some good movies too, I suppose. But Quit playing uh, reindeer games with us, okay? Exactly. You fucking rube, get on the show. <laughs> Speaking of reindeer games, our main topic this week is a movie called Triple Frontier. Which reminded me a lot of Reindeer Games in, in some ways. 
Uh, this film is about, uh, it stars Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnam, Ben Affleck, and some other people. And... Hey, I have a question for you. Yeah. When do you think, before you just said it like twice in a row, when do you think the last time someone ever mentioned uh, Ranger Games was? Like, give it an hour. Mm, I would say it's probably been about 11 years. I'd say 60 days. 60 days? Okay. Like, legitimately, probably 60 days. Because, you oh. know, I mean, people probably just, like, you know, like, look, like, discover, you know, the mm. movie just randomly. It's probably on Netflix. I don't know. It's Netflix quality for some of their originals, <laughs> yeah. including. Yeah, including Triple Frontier. Um, so, this film is about Oscar Isaac is stationed in South America. He's aiding the police in trying to catch a famous drug lord there. And he wants to, supposedly he has altruistic, altruistic motives in wanting to get this guy because he has sort of, his drug trade and, you know, the brutality of it has destroyed this area in South America. And he finds out through this woman that he's sleeping with, who also is an informant for him, that the, the drug lord has this home in the woods that's heavily guarded and he never leaves it and he has all his money there and he's got estimates of of about 75 million dollars so oscar isaac unbeknownst to us at the beginning because he says he's doing this for the the police in south america wants to rob it himself but in order to do that he needs a team and he used to be in the military with these different uh, people. And Charlie Hunnam and Ben Affleck are, are the, the big ones. And so he goes to recruit them to to do this job and get this money. <clears throat> they touch on briefly how Ben Affleck's marriage is kind of falling apart. You know, life imitating art. and uh, And how... The, you know, they get a raw deal. These veterans are getting a raw deal from the government. Basically, they're not getting paid what they deserve. And, you know, they kind of deserve this money sort of thing. So they yeah. they plan the, the they do a reconnaissance and then they plan this this heist. And it does not go exactly the way they think it's going to go. Um, <clears throat> they come in. See, well, they, I love to see a heist movie where it just goes exactly as planned, and like they have like fifteen minutes just to like fuck around with their money. Exactly. It's just like basically it's like the complete opposite of like the the man code, where it's like you know, it's like oh look, it's like it's crime does pay. Yeah, exactly. But they the the family of the drug lord also lives in the house with him. Obviously, he's got a wife and kids. But every Sunday they go to church, so that's when they're going to strike. Uh, there's fewer guards in there because the drug lord is paranoid someone's going to kidnap his kids for ransom, which seems legitimate, um, yeah, like a legitimate concern. So he sends a lot of guards there to the church with them. He never leaves the house because his money is there. So they, that's when they're going to strike. So they come in, <clears throat> they, they try to subdue all the guards. They want to only kill the drug lord. So they subdue a bunch of these guards they, you know, wrap him up and everything. And then one sort of comes out where they didn't expect him to be. And they have to shoot him in the leg. They they don't kill him, but they shoot him in the lower leg. As Dave Chappelle notes, uh, below the knee, it's not attempted murder. 
Um, Great. So then they wrap him up, but they realize that the drug lord probably heard them. So they're looking around. They can't find any of this money. Oscar Isaac realizes that there's paint in this room and that the room is freshly painted. So they crack the wall and the money is in the wall. The money is in all the walls, as we find out. All the walls of the house completely. They they repeat the line a few times. The, the house is the safe. And not a very good safe, though, because you can just break the walls and then you get the money. But anyway, so they do that. And greed starts to get the best of Ben Affleck, especially because he's got everything planned out to the minute of when the family's going to come home when they need to leave. But he's like, no, just a little more, just a little more. And they're, they're loading up bags. They've got this van completely filled with money. They've got almost, they, they're, they've run out of bags. They're getting luggage from the family to put money in. <clears throat> it's almost comical. And then Oscar Isaac wants to do one more sweep for the drug lord. They do so. They find him. And they end up killing him. They also have to kill all the other guards now because the the guard the family is coming back and the first wave of guards has come back. So now they've got to go through and kill a bunch of people, which they didn't want to do. They only wanted to kill this drug lord. And so they kill a bunch of these guards. They get the bags out. The woman that was helping him and her brother, he gives them a million dollars and a ticket to Australia to, and by the way, Australia is a very expensive place to live. That million dollars isn't going to go as far as he thinks it is. But, uh, but anyway, so like uh, they get, they, they're able to get out of the country. <clears throat> they meet up with somebody that uh, has arranged for them to take a helicopter out of here. But <clears throat> it turns out that what they've got is way more than $75 million. It's more like $200 million. And there's not enough, it's too much for the helicopter to carry. Ben Affleck insists to the helicopter pilot that they can carry that much. So he's like, okay, you know, we can try, you know, we can try it basically. So they load up. Well, I'm a, I'm a helicopter pilot and uh, you're just some guy Mm -hmm. on a helicopter, but if you know better than me. Yeah, exactly. He, you know, he says, you know, it's only good for this, this weight at, I think he said something like 2000, 2000 feet. Yeah, it, it it could carry the low, but only a certain like it wasn't high enough to go over the Andes, is what it was. Yeah, they've got to go get over the Andes to get to the shore to get to the ocean because that's where a boat's waiting for them. That's going to take them to the United States. So sure enough, as they're going through the, it's not it's too much weight to get over the Andes. So there's a bunch of bags in the back as well. They they end up like throwing a lot of those off, trying to get over the Andes, the red lights going on, the helicopter starts smoking. They, the helicopter pilot says, look, we've got to release this money from the bag. That's that they're towing or we're going to die in this landing. So they do it. And then they end up landing. It's a bad crash landing. The helicopter is destroyed. So they're going to have to climb over the Andes now to get to the ocean. But first, and there's a village with people um, who are growing cocaine that <clears throat> sees the bags and they're kind of all over it. So they come up, they, you know, they set up their military positions and they come up and, and Ben Affleck and Oscar Isaac try to talk to the men, say, you know, this is our property, can't really take it or anything. 
And, you know, there's a lot of back and forth. And one of them reaches for something. Looks like he might be reaching for a weapon. So the guys that are, you know, watching their back start shooting. They end up killing all the men that are there by the bags and then tell everyone else to back up. Uh, Oscar Isaac makes peace with basically the the head of this little village and pays him money to for the families and, and everything like that. And, and they take a bunch of donkeys with them to strap all this money to the donkeys back so that they can get over the Andes. <clears throat> um, they start climbing over the Andes. I mean, it's it's pretty standard stuff for, for most the most part. It's a lot of walking, a lot of trekking. It's dangerous. One of the donkeys falls and dies off the mountain because, you know, they're on a, a not very well-worn path. Um, but the the plot twist or the exciting thing that happens, I suppose, is that someone starts shooting at them from up above. And they think that it's the drug dealer's guys because as the woman told Oscar Isaac... You know, there's a lot more than $75 million there. It's not just his money. It's a lot of drug dealers' money. And they're going to come after it. So they think that's who it is. But he's really honing in on Ben Affleck. Um, Eventually, Ben Affleck gets shot in the head and killed. And they carry his body. they, They kill the other guys and they carry his body down the mountain. It was one of the kids from the village... I assume it was his dad or uncle or something like that that Ben Affleck had shot. So he was really after him. But now Ben Affleck's dead. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, good riddance to fucking Ben Affleck. But um, but anyway, they carry him down the mountain. And once they get down into the Glen, Charlie Hunnam goes into the town to see what's going on. And there's a army basically of teenagers with guns hired by the the drug dealers to find their money and they're looking for them and they want to kill them and this is the town right at the the ocean where they need to get to so there's no way they can take all this money into the town so they don't want to but you know they they're like Ben Affleck this is our mission now is to bring him back home so they dump all this money into a crevasse, and Charlie Hunnam says, "You know the sun's or the snow's going to be coming. No one's ever going to be able to find it again, basically." And so they go into town with just a few backpacks, whatever they can carry. It doesn't matter because they get into town. They end up getting discovered by some of these teenagers. They have to shoot at some of them. Uh, Oscar Isaac is clearly affected by all the killing he's had to do. So he doesn't want to kill these teenagers. He starts shooting at uh, at their tires and things like that. It's funny, too, because he's like, oh, I don't want to hurt him. I'm not going to kill him. He doesn't actually say that, but that's clearly what his motivation is. But then he shoots at one of the tires, and this Jeep just fucking flips. Yeah, and, it could have been worse. And crashes. It's such a horrific crash. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure none of those people are dead. <laughs> They're all just fine. Um... But they end up getting to the beach, they end up getting to the boat, and they get back to America where they, or, well, they get, they get to some, some, I think it's in, they're in Mexico, I think, is what ends up happening, and Oscar Isaac has arranged for some banker to take their money, and they take a fee, and then they put it in a trust, and that gets paid out of a foreign account every month to 
to the families. They don't really fully explain how they're going to explain where this money came from or tax implications or whatever, but it's supposed to all be above board after this. It's it's like a money laundering thing. Um, And they all donate their shares of the money to Ben Affleck's family since Ben Affleck died uh, doing this mission. And then right when they're about to leave, you know, Charlie Hunnam says to Oscar Isaac, what you going to do? And he says, I might go look up some woman I know in Australia that recently came into some money. And Charlie Hunnam says, hey, you know, just in case you ever have time or something like that. And he hands him a paper with coordinates uh, we're led to believe to where they dumped all that money probably in excess of $100 million. And then Oscar Isaac just kind of smiles at him. They walk away, and that's the end of the film. Mike, what did you think of the movie? It started off pretty slowly, and then it just be, get, basically went into like well-tread territory by other movies. Yep. Um, pretty much every part of this movie was taken from another movie, it feels like. Yes. And what wasn't was poorly done. There's scenes that were almost directly like lifted from the movie Heat. Uh, yep. See, I was trying to think of the other movie. There, I mean, it's just a lot of it's just like really old, familiar territory. There's really nothing original about it. I mean, I guess you could say a twist is when Ben Affleck gets shot because he's probably the most well-known person in the movie. I mean, mm-hmm. that Charlie Hunnam guy was in um, Sons of Anarchy, but I don't think he's been in a lot since then. Yeah. Um, it was it, whatever. It wasn't. It's not a movie I'll watch again. It wasn't the worst. It wasn't so bad. I had to turn it off. But it's just like. Oh look, they're doing this like they did in that movie, and it's just and some of the the part that seemed to be original was implausible. I mean, okay, so they go into a, a place and they they're gonna kill one guy, but they don't plan on killing anybody else. What sense does that make? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's and like in the movie. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and everyone's gonna see their face. Like all these guards see their yeah. face, and they're like, "Oh, we'll be able to get away with it for sure." Right. It's like in the movie Heat. Like, uh, they really don't make plans to kill anybody. But in this movie, they do. They plan on killing the main drug dealer guy, which... I and mean, what kind of life does this guy have? I mean, sure, he's, like, you know, wealthy, but he never, ever leaves his house. Yeah, that's once. terrible. That'd be worse than being, like, Michael Jackson in, like, 1985. That would mm-hmm. be, like, the worst thing ever. You can never, ever leave your house. It, I don't know that it's worth... You're, you're basically paying yourself to be a prisoner at that point. Exactly. Exactly. But, yeah, the, like you said, I, I feel very similar to to you in this movie. Uh, a lot of retreaded stuff. There's, I mean, it's not exactly like Reindeer Games, but the 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 greed and, and that kind of stuff, like in Reindeer Games, comes up. And with Ben Affleck being in both films, you know, it, it's hard not to make that comparison. Heat is an, also a very good comparison. the the very The very beginning of the film, maybe the first ten or fifteen minutes, I thought to myself, "Oh, I might actually like this movie." Because I kind of liked how they were developing characters and stuff like that. But pretty quickly it does get into very well-worn territory. It's, it's Done much better by much better movies. Absolutely. Oscar Isaac is probably, probably does the best job of acting in the movie. And it's not saying a ton. Charlie Hunnam is fine, but he's very stoic throughout most of the film. Oscar Isaac is the only character that sort of has an arc. Although it's 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 very loosely defined and very loosely explained, it's not a very clear arc. But he does have at least somewhat of an arc, I suppose. But yeah, it's it's just a bunch of stuff you've seen before, 
and it's not one that I would that I would necessarily recommend. Like you said, Mike, I you know it wasn't one that I was like, oh, I've got to turn this off, but it wasn't one that I was really enjoying watching necessarily. And it's just it's just been there, done that kind of stuff. There there's there's better things on Netflix that you can watch. So this is not one that I would recommend. No, it's I mean. I'm glad this at the theater. I might have been angry that I actually had to, you know, go there and come back and all that. But since it was just, you know, at home on Netflix, it's like, yeah, I mean, whatever. You know, it's not that bothersome. But yeah, it wasn't a good movie. It wasn't a bad movie. It was just a movie. Yep, it was one of those just kind of their films. Absolutely, I agree. Uh, but if you don't have any more to say about that, I really don't have any more to say about that. Uh, we will move on to our last segment of the day which is celebrity crime. Uh, now, this is where we talk about, could be current, could be past, but a crime that was committed by a celebrity uh, that we find as an interesting story. So this one involves uh, William S. Burroughs. Uh, you probably remember him as the author of Naked Lunch. Um, he was quite a interesting character he was part of the the beat generation part of that that circle uh he was married to a woman named Joan Volmer uh they were common law married basically and they did a lot of drugs together they they hung out with Jack Kerouac guys like that so i, I give you a little background on it um she was married to someone named Paul Adams first, and she he was in the military. So Joan Vollmer was married to this guy, Paul Adams. Or he went into World War One, and basically as soon as she left, he she started hanging out with Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg and uh, Lucien Carr, uh, Herbert uh, Hunka, uh, what's his name, uh, Hunka, and uh, William S. Burroughs. And they drank a lot, did a lot of drugs together. She apparently slept around a lot. Uh, she she was uh, quite promiscuous with, with at least a few of them. Um, when he came back, Paul Adams, he was appalled by her, by her drug use and all of her friends. So they got divorced. And uh, Kerouac, I guess, introduced her to uh, Benzedrine. Uh, which uh, that it's not really used as much anymore. They used to call them Bennies, but it's a uh, it's a um, a uh, amphetamine and uh, a level. You know, it's it's an upper basically. But uh, she used them heavily, I, I guess. And then in 1946, she began a long term relationship with William S. Burroughs. Uh, William Ginsburg set them up together, and then later, uh, Allen Ginsberg basically said you uh you need to not be together anymore because you're gonna you know she she loves you so devotedly and you don't care about her as much basically was his was his rationale uh but William S. Burroughs was basically like fuck you to him um she was hospitalized for excessive amphetamine use uh at some point in Bellevue Hospital because she was suffering from a psychotic episode from the amphetamine use. Uh, William S. Burroughs was in trouble in several different areas uh, as far as drugs go and things like that. They they moved around quite a bit. They moved from 
Uh, they moved to New Orleans at one point, and uh, they were in Texas. Uh, eventually, they had to move to Mexico City in order for him to avoid arrest by the police. Um, he tried to farm cash crops in uh, the, the Rio Grande Valley and kind of failed in that. Uh, the, the What he was arrested for in New Orleans was heroin possession. <laughs> um, and they had a ton of marijuana that they were apparently going to sell as well. And that's that was a big part of the legal trouble, so they went there. Uh, now, here's the crime part of the... Well, I mean, all that's crime stuff, but here's the, here's the heart of the story. Burroughs went on a trip to South America, not exactly sure why... But I assume it was drug related, <laughs> which this this really kind of fits in well with the movie that that uh, we talked about. But about three days after he returned from South America, uh, Joan Volmer was balancing a water tumbler on her head as her husband aimed a gun at her because apparently they were playing a, a game of William Tell while they were really drunk. I mean, they sound like a couple rubes. To be honest with you, speaking of speaking of drunk, but uh, so when Burroughs fired, the bullet missed the water tumbler and hit Vollmer, who died later that day from a gunshot wound to the skull at 28 years old. Uh, Vollmer's death was ruled a culpable homicide after Mexican police investigated and Burroughs gave several contradictory versions of events. Uh, Burroughs initially claimed he accidentally shot Vollmer during a William Tell act, but changed his story, possibly after being coached by his Mexican attorney, uh, Barnaby Gerardo, who apparently was a very famous uh, Mexican attorney at the time. Uh, The day after in court, Burroughs claimed he accidentally misfired the gun while trying to sell the weapon to an acquaintance. Uh, And um, it's possible that Lewis Marker and Eddie Wood's friends... Uh, were present at the shooting. Uh, Burroughs was held in custody on charges of murder for two weeks before being released on bail after his brother arrived from St. Louis to dispense thousands of dollars in a variety of legal costs. Vollmer was buried in Mexico City, and her two children, this is the two children she had with, uh, she had one child with Burroughs and one child with her previous husband, uh, were taken back to the United States. Her daughter, Julie, was raised by her father, Paul Adams, and his family. Uh, her son was raised by her in-laws. Uh, so Burroughs lost uh, his son. Eventually, Julie went to live with her maternal grandparents in Loudonville, assuming the surname Volmer. For a year, Burroughs reported every Monday morning to a jail in Mexico City while his prominent attorney worked to resolve the case. However, when Gerardo, his attorney, fled the country after accidentally shooting and killing a trespasser on his property, who happened to be a child of a government official, so his lawyer murdered a child that was trespassing on his property, who was a child of a prominent government official, Burroughs re-entered the United States where he was very fortunate that Louisiana had not issued a warrant for his arrest on the previous narcotic charges. Uh, in absentia, Burroughs was convicted of manslaughter in Vollmer's death. He received a two-year suspended sentence. And he said that in he, he did an interview for Queer Magazine and saying that Joan's death 
exposed him to the risk the risk of possession by a malevolent entity called the Ugly Spirit and forced him to become a writer as a consequence. Uh, so he said, I am forced to the appalling conclusion that I would have never become a writer but for Joan's death. I live with the constant threat of possession and a constant need to escape from possession from control. So the death of Joan brought me in contact with the invader, the ugly spirit, and maneuvered me into a lifelong struggle in which I have had no choice except to write my way out. And that is about the time that William Hesperos murdered his wife and basically got away with it. Oh, so that happened. I knew he, I knew that story. I didn't know it happened before his writing career, though. Yeah, the, I guess they were they were heavily into drugs and selling drugs and things like that before he became a writer, and that that after that was when he became a writer. Huh, that's crazy. Yeah, he simply had like the the high powered attorney because he was a famous writer at that point. Yeah, I think he just probably. I don't know if it was like a, a Saul situation where. Um, now, obviously, he wasn't, you know, some huge kingpin like uh, Walter White necessarily. But, you know, if it was a situation like that where he was, you know, he was prominent because he he um, he represented a lot of people in the drug trade or, or things like that. I don't know a ton about Mexican history during the 1940s and early 1950s. So I'm not sure if the drug trade was as as lucrative and as prevalent in Mexico and South America during the time, I get the impression from this story that it was, but I don't want to, you know, slander the people of Mexico or South America by just blanketly claiming it was, but it certainly seems like it. So I think that's uh, kind of how he got in contact with this lawyer and accidentally shooting someone who was trespassing on his property. Sounds like something that Saul Goodman would do. Right. Well, he's not that violent, but yeah, he would pay someone to do it for Oh, so, yeah, that is, uh, I, I found that a very interesting uh, story, to say the least. So that is our Celebrity Crime for the Week, and that is our show for the week. This has been a Massive Late Fee. You can find us, I'm really terrible at this call to action. I hate, I hate doing this. This part of the podcast. You just uh, record it once and then just play it. <laughs> yeah. This part of the podcast, everyone, is what they call the call to action. And this is where we try to get you to do things to interact with the show in order to boost our popularity. (laughs) So what I'd like you to do is rate us and review us on iTunes. You can give us however many stars you think. We're not begging for stars, people. But uh, write a review, say what we're doing good, what we're doing bad. If you have any feedback or you want to write to the show, tell us anything that we're doing good or bad, you can do that uh, massivelatefee at gmail.com. You can find us online to keep up with the show at massivelatefee on Twitter. You can go to uh, MySpace and search Massive Late Fee there. If you want to contribute to our Patreon, you can do that. Patreon.com is Massive Late Fee. And then Massive Late Fee on Facebook. And then Massive Late Fee on Instagram. And then if you just type in Massive Late Fee social media into your Google, then you will find us everywhere because everywhere we're Massive Late Fee. Uh, you can do the same. God, I never get to plug uh, you know anything else. But um, you can do the same thing for all the shows on the network and go to michigansportsentertainment.com and and look up all our our other shows as well on the network. But thank you for listening and being fans, and we will see you next week. Bye. See you later. You rubes.